Welcome to the 93rd episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner Fourgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we are talking about the rest of the Maryland basketball season and, of course, the non-rev report. But before we get into all that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for a free, no-obligation quote at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at AlliedPartyRentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Yeah, this can be a long report as several spring sports have started off. But to kick things off, as always, Lady Terps took down the Northwestern Wildcats at home on Thursday by a score of 72-57. Stephanie Jones led the Terps with 16 points and 9 boards, going 7 for 8 from the field. Yeah, another solid performance from the Lady Terps who continue to roll. They're currently taking on the number 20th ranked Rutgers Scarlet Knights on the road. And, of course, you can see that game on BTN+. Plus. Uh, they also announced that they will take on UConn in a home-and-home. Home. They will play at UConn in 2020, and then the game will return to College Park in 2021. Yep. The last time Maryland played UConn in College Park, it was an epic battle. You remember that one, Mason? Yeah, it sold out. Uh, moving right along here, wrestling got blanked on the road against number three Iowa, losing 48 to nothing. On Friday, not much else to say about that one. And things probably won't improve much as they're currently playing number seven Minnesota up in Minneapolis. Yeah, Maryland wrestling has turned into a complete mess. I mean, 48 to nothing, that's that's bad. Um, yeah, that, that's a mess. Again, they're, they're winless this year, so hopefully a coaching change will be made. And honestly, I think it should be made now. I wouldn't put it past the program to make a change once they return home from Minnesota, yeah. So now on to a more positive topic. We have the Maryland Gymnastics team, who seems to be having a pretty good year. They topped Ohio State by a score of 195.950 to 194.25 on Friday to advance to 5-2 and two on the year. They will take on Minnesota in Minneapolis on Friday. Um, tennis played yesterday at VCU, losing four sets to none. Not what you want to see, but I guess you take it as you go. They will play again on Friday at Old Dominion. Yep. Uh, both men's and women's golf started their spring section. Men's play second in the Big Ten match play event down in Florida, coming in only behind Ohio State. This was their best finish ever for the event. They will compete against Purdue in the Puerto Rico Classic early next week. The women's team is currently playing Purdue in the women's Puerto Rico Classic to start their season. Uh, softball also started their season off with five games in the Troy University hosted Trojan Classic. They went 2-3 and three over the weekend, beating Murray State twice, but also losing to Troy twice and losing to Alabama. They will play next in the Houston Classic, hosted by the University of Houston. That will take place next weekend, and will feature them playing Houston, Nevada, and another team that I can't remember at the moment. Yeah, I know they got slammed by Alabama. I think it was 10 to nothing. Um, you know, this program is another one out of the Maryland teams that kind of got thrust into, I guess, they weren't in a great situation before, but got thrown into one that really did not benefit them at all with the Big Ten, and I don't really think they've even gotten close to really recovering from that. Yeah, they kind of got – they're one of the programs that kind of got screwed by the move, but they have made some small improvements over the years, and hopefully they'll get back to respectability this season. Yeah, um, let's talk about some lacrosse. I was out at the men's game um, yesterday. I did not stick around for the women's game, but let's start off with the women's team. And the number two ranked Lady Terps 
topped George Mason by a score of 16-5 to in the first game of their season. And then the men's team squeezed one out against Richmond. And there were definitely some interesting points of this game. Jared Bernhardt had five goals. Um, Richmond had a guy that had five. Uh, Maryland really allowed Richmond to get back into this game because of the rule change this year, which is adding a shot clock to men's lacrosse. Uh, after you touch the ball at first, there's an 80-second clock that's put on, for those of you that don't know, which is a rule change from the old one where it was very complicated, but pretty much if you weren't trying to score, the ref would then put a stall warning on you that would start a 30-second clock that at the end of, if you didn't hit the goalie or the post, you lost the ball, even if there was a shot. So this year with that 80-second clock, what Maryland did is when they got up by, I think it was six or seven uh, in the second half. They moved to holding the ball outside of around 40 yards away from the goal or 30 yards away from the goal. And they weren't really able to get into a set based on that clock. So it allowed Richmond to get a lot of chances. Now, during that, um, Richmond, I mean, Maryland did hit four posts. So it just, the, you see that little change in the game. But then if you go move to the end of the game, Maryland was able to hold the ball for the last um, two minutes and 40 seconds because of that new clock instead of having that stall warning put on them. So the clock kind of changes the game a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's a win. It's late-game experience against a fairly good opponent. So you take your positives and your negatives out of a game, but of course the win is really what mattered. I suppose it was surprising for me, I didn't see the game, to see Richmond came so close to being the Terps. Um, how was the crowd out there at Capital One Field? It was okay. It was around 2,000, I think it was 2,100. Um, yeah, so it, it was it was small. Obviously, it's a cold day. The high yesterday was 35 with the wind, and of course, the wind's even worse inside the stadium. So it was pretty cold out there. Um, the good thing is, though, Maryland opens up sections 5 and 6 now for lacrosse, which is on the other side of the stadium, which is the sun side during that early afternoon time. So that was definitely positive. Yeah, that's been a long time coming, I think, for the Terps. Also looks a lot better on TV when there's actual people, you know, in the stands. So the Terps will now travel to Philadelphia to face Penn next Saturday. Um, no TV information for that game, so I don't know if you're going to be able to watch that one. But, hey, should be a uh, fairly interesting game. The only issue is it competes right against the Maryland game at Michigan. Yeah, and we all know which ones that we'll be watching. I'll have an eye on the lacrosse game, though. Let's talk some Maryland football, which even during this um, offseason seems to be on this show every week. Three Terps were invited to the NFL Combine, which was pretty surprising. Darnell Savage, Derwin Gray, and Byron Coward. Now, that kind of leaves two or three guys that I thought would be invited. Actually, there's three guys that I personally thought would be invited out, which are Ty Johnson, Trey Watson, and Damian Prince. I thought you were going to say Wade Lees for the third one. No, Wade Lees is looking to come back to Maryland. Oh, how would that work? I've never heard of that one yet. Um, he has to get some waiver from the NCAA, I I think it might be an age thing. I'm not sure, but I know that he is looking to come back to Maryland. I just don't know if he can. All right, well, that's worth keeping an eye on. Um, I'm really surprised Trey Watson didn't get invited, especially after he had such a great um, Eastport Shrine game. He it's had a great season. It's not only the Shrine game. I know, but just in the draft world, those postseason All-Star games are really important, and he had a really good week for practice up for that game. Um but even though we got three Terps, I really feel like we should have gotten more. At least Trey Watson should have been invited. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think actually Prince and Ty Johnson should have been invited too. Prince was a guy uh, predicted in the fifth round before he decided to come back to Maryland for his senior year, which as we all know didn't go fantastic. I would have expected him to get an invite just because when you look at the NFL world, it's really not about – it is really about what happened last season, but scouting and projecting and all that stuff goes back further than that. Obviously, the right now is is the front of it, but these scouts and the guys that do these invites have a whole world of knowledge on almost each and every one of these guys that 
they consider to be invited. So I was kind of surprised about that. The same goes, same kind of argument goes for Ty Johnson. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but there's really not much they can do about it. They could get late invites like um, Jakeem Griffin did last year, and it happens every year. But I wouldn't hold my breath on it. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I think in Shaquem Griffin's case, it was more the backlash. Well, that backlash was very well earned, in my opinion. That's a different story. Um, no, but there always are late invites. They just for players that decline to come to the combine, they fill the spots. But the terps, those terps that didn't get to go to the combine, will still have their pro day and hopefully will impress at that event. Yeah, and I definitely think in the case of Ty Johnson and Trey Watson that they will. I'm not so sure about Prince, but I think that, honestly, Savage, Gray, Cowart, Johnson, and Watson are all getting drafted. Well, I hope so. Um, in other pro-terp news, five Maryland players are currently on Alliance of American Football rosters. That's the league that they beat on CBS last night that I thought was actually pretty good. I don't know about anyone else who watched it. Um, the rosters include four on the Birmingham Iron playing at 4 p.m. today on CBS Sports Network. The four on the Iron are Nick Novak, Brandon Ross, Amba Edatawa, Michael Dunn. And the lone Terp on the Arizona Hot Shots is former third-rounder Dexter McDougal. I think that means we got to watch the Iron, Mason. Yeah, they're right up there with the Carolina Panthers. I'm not so certain about Amba Edda being ma- named as a um, Maryland Terrapin. He was here for three years, and yeah, he didn't really break out in his last year at Syracuse, but I, I, I think it counts. He's a Terp to me. Yeah, and other things coaching-wise, uh, Lamont Jordan was a running backs coach for San Diego who played last night, and of course, well, they actually lost, didn't they? Um, yeah, I think they did. Yeah, San they Diego's lost 15-6. to six. Yeah, San Diego is projected to be the worst team in the league this year. For me, at least, this is Maryland-centric, but I was entertained by the game last night. I don't know about you, Mason. I was. I, I stuck around with it, then I flipped it over to the Wizards and a little bit of the Caps last night. Um, kind of opposite results between the Wizards and the Caps. But, yeah, I, I definitely think it's a good product. Um, the business of it, though, is really what interests me. I know that that's kind of, Jordan, that's your major in college, so it has to do the same for you. But I think I... The NFL is being a little sneaky, trying to, like, support it, and I kind of think they're trying to keep it, you know, where um, I forget the guy, Polian, is trying to put it right between college and the NFL, and the NFL is doing their part and kind of trying to keep it right there. I think it's a beneficial league. I think some ideas that they have work. I think the kickoffs are probably going to be eliminated in the NFL next two or three seasons. Um, There's definitely good people behind this league. I don't and, like going for two. No, I don't like the going for two thing either. I do like the sky judge who can call down to overturn egregious calls, which was very timely for this league considering, you know, what happened in the NFC Championship game. So I, I'm intrigued. I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to pr- probably watch the game, at least one of the games today, probably the Birmingham game, as I said. So is there a incoming Terps in the was it the AAF segment <laughs> here be, on the podcast? If, we need to get a Terps in the NBA first, I think. Speaking of which, Kevin Herter in the NBA has been tearing it up. I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to that. I saw some stat, some shooting stat that had him second in the league, and he was actually above Curry. So, yeah, Herter's on fire. Layman's playing pretty well. Uh, of course, Mello is now fielding offers from multiple big European squads. So, uh, there, there's definitely some Maryland success going on right now in pro sports. Yeah, Trey Young and Kevin Herter look at the future of the Atlanta Hawks, and he may finally, he, I'm putting it out there, he could be the first, Terps' first all-star since Stevie Francis, if he and Trey Young can keep it going in Atlanta. Okay, so I got one more thing that I want to get to that's kind that's kind of funny. I don't know what you'll think of it. So I get this text yesterday, and I'll read it, and it's from one of the um, guys that Jordan and I and our family, so Jordan, Wayne, and I tailgate with, that says here, let me pull it up. 
Uh, I've decided to enter my name into the NCAA fan transfer portal. I'm looking for an athletic program that is a good fit for me where I can reach my maximum potential as a fan. Mm. So the transfer portal, in all of its um, infinite wisdom, is kind of spreading into a joke. And, of course, Maryland, we saw Kasim Hill has entered his name into the transfer portal. It's just, it's so different than it used to be because it used to always be sit out a year and you know it kind of put you down as a player transferring was a bad move now it seems like money can buy that no sitting out anymore so I, yeah I, I'm really interested to see if Kasim Hill is able to wherever he goes I think I, I don't really think he's going to be able to play this year due to the injury but if he's an immediately eligible player, what well, kind of happens to these guys like from a program like Maryland? If you transfer out of Maryland, are you kind of one of those guys that's eligible for the immediate waiver, as they call it? Or are we just talking about guys from big programs? Yeah, the, the lack of waiver thing is really starting to bother me in a big way because like some of these guys, are like, there's no reason they should have to get the waiver. Like, I don't know why Tate Marteau got a waiver, for real. Like, I know why, because he went to Ohio State. But I don't know what reason NCAA gave, or if he even gave one. Also, I need to stress this. Or Justin Fields. Justin Fields, too. Justin Fields, I read an article in the Athletic that was really interesting yesterday. Justin Fields started this whole thing, according to um, Stuart Mandel, The Athletic. It was a really interesting read. If anyone has it, you should check it out. Um, Kasim Hill put on Twitter that he was just looking to see basically what happens. He's not. He doesn't know what he's doing yet, and everybody's acting like he's already gone. He said he went on Twitter and said that he is just looking. He's not sure if he wants to leave because he's always been a Maryland fan, and he doesn't want to leave, but he just doesn't share what's next for him because – I mean, if you saw the games last year, it was very apparent to most people, I think, that Piggy ran the offense better than Kasim did. And Kasim never really looked comfortable after the Texas game. And there's also um, Lance Lejean coming in. So I understand why he's looking, but he didn't. he's not going anywhere yet, and I think we need to respect that. Yeah, that's about as well put as it can get. Um, it's just... It's such a different landscape now. I understand why Kasim would leave. You know, there's one thing to be said, and this goes for recruits. It goes for coaching, which we might end up actually seeing. There's one thought that, you know, Kasim Hill's been a Maryland fan. He he will stick around. He's going to stick with this. He's going he's going to power through, which is what we all want and probably would like to see. There's the other thought from his perspective that he is injured this year. He's probably not going to play. He's got Piggy, who competed in that Ohio State game, brought us back in that Indiana game, didn't really play well against Penn State, who, according to multiple sources, considered transferring himself. And then Maryland brings in this freshman, Lance Lejean. They're looking to add... I still think they're looking to add a grad transfer or transfer quarterback. So you have to kind of look at it from his perspective. Does he go somewhere else and get that start, get that year to learn offense and then immediately be competing when he's back healthy? Or does he stay with it at Maryland where, you know, there's a lot of competition? Especially if Maryland looks to bring in a guy that out of the transfer portal that has more than one year left. Because you just got to look at it. You got to see it a little bit from his perspective. But as we said, he is just looking. There's one more thing, Jordan, that I want to add onto this Kasim Hill situation. Is I do not understand why some Maryland fans on Twitter, not as much on the boards. I didn't really see it that much. I didn't really look at the threads about Kasim. But why some Maryland fans went out of their way to kind of say that we don't really need him that we don't really you know he can leave whatever like not understanding that Kasim Hill 
gave Maryland its two best wins probably in the past, I don't know, what, what do you want to say, seven years? I was going to say eight, so yeah. That Kasim Hill was attacked in the Jordan McNair situation for that picture that we don't really need to rehash because that really gets me triggered every time I see it. Kasim Hill led this team through one of its more challenging times. He was the representative for Maryland to the media multiple times. He represented the university with a lot of respect and really took on one of the more challenging moments that I think you can really see as a college football player in today's landscape, especially what, given what was pushed onto this program. Kasim Hill was kind of there for Maryland. He kind of took care of Maryland. So I really think it's real dumb from a lot of people that they're out there attacking him on Twitter. And he chose to come here. Let's not forget that, too. He was a four-star quarterback, top 300. He had offers from Penn State, Nebraska, Syracuse, Pitt. He had offers, and he chose to come here. And yeah, I don't want to harp on this too long, but I am extremely disappointed in the people that have yeah, gone out of their way to say that he can transfer and we don't need him here. Yeah, it's just a little bit disappointing. And again, yeah, you're right. He was a DMV to UMD kid. He was a high four-star. I mean, he had options. It wasn't like Maryland was the only option, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, let's talk some Maryland basketball, which is what most of this podcast was supposed to be about, but I see that we've already gone on 20 minutes here. Maryland currently sits, looking out at the rest of the season, at 18-6 and six right now. 9-4 and four in the conference, really in a midst of a battle for one of those top four or three spots in the Big Ten. They are currently a sixth seed to from most bracket experts, so there's a lot to look forward to for the rest of this season, Jordan. Yeah, and I think it's kind of been lost in some fans, including us, that this, this team was bad last year. Let's, let's not sugarcoat it. This team struggled last year in a major way, and this has been a... And I know a lot of fans don't like Mark Turgeon, again, including us, but this has been a pretty admirable rebound year. Maryland was not ranked to start the season. They didn't have a ton of expectations on them, but they've climbed the pole very efficiently. They got past number 13 this season. And so I think, to start things off, Maryland deserves some props here for the season. Yeah, I would agree with that, but I also want to go back to something that you said. I wouldn't say that I dislike Mark Turgeon. I just, every once in a while, oh, well, okay, before this year, yes, you could say that. But this year, it seems like that, it's not that I dislike him all the time anymore. It's that every once in a while, I just see him, I'm like, what the heck is, what are, what are we doing? Kind of reaction to it. I will say the coaching has improved this year. Um, The other thing that I would say is the NCAA let out, what is it, the first Top 16 teams that they did yesterday? Yeah, the top 16 if they rank the teams today. I think Maryland, if they get that win on the road against Wisconsin, was in Wisconsin's spot. I know Wisconsin's played a really tough schedule this year. They have that win over Michigan. Well, while Michigan was undefeated, I think they might have even been number one at that time. But I think Maryland's a win or two away from that four seed. And it really starts on Tuesday night against Purdue, which is the number 15 team in the country, which I think they did not lose this week, so I think they might slide up a few spots. And then you have those chances for that quad one win. You have Purdue, as we just mentioned. Two games against Michigan, who's currently number seven. A game against Iowa, who's currently number 20. And then a few games that are pretty nice wins that can probably do more damage to you if you lose them then win them, like that game at Penn State, who has really struggled this year. A game... And the, and the game against Ohio State. Yeah, too. I was you just going to mention that one. one. <laughs> so you, you got a lot of good chances in here. Can't overlook that. Again, out of these last seven games, you have four of them against ranked teams. Two of which are at home. So a lot of big opportunities for this team that's currently sitting in a pretty good spot to really move themselves up and kind of reach that potential that most people thought or and think that they should be at. Well, this is 
it's hard to say where Maryland's going to end up after this week since they only played Nebraska, who kind of sucks. But I'd say Maryland's probably going to be maybe 23 or 24, maybe stay where they are. Purdue's probably going to climb. They've won eight straight games. So this next game, this Purdue game, is an extremely important game for shaping the rest of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, and sadly, if this game was at 7, 7.30, 8, 9, not 6.30, it would be a very raucous environment. Instead, it's at 6.30 on a Tuesday, and Maryland's having to run two-for-one promos on this game, ticket-wise. Oh, jeez, And the tickets that. are $11. Yikes. On StubHub. So, you know, I would love to see a big crowd, and it's definitely a game where you could have gotten one, and I know a lot of you will go back and say if this game was against NC State, it would be sold out. It probably would but be. But let's face it, 6.30 on a Tuesday around here does not sell tickets. No, it's a hard sell, and it's a hard to get to, too. I know. I don't even know when you and Wayne are leaving, for work, leaving work on that one, but hey, it is what it is. Rams probably still going to get a pretty big crowd. I don't know why this game is on BTN, even before the season. These are two fairly well-regarded programs and fairly well-regarded teams going into the season. But let's talk about Purdue for a minute, because Purdue has had a roller coaster of a season. Yeah, and it really started trending up for them after a few games after the Maryland game. Um, before... They took on the Tarps, which was, of course, in that little patch of Big Ten games that you get in, is it December or November? It's December. Those two Big Ten games that you get. Uh, Purdue started off fairly easy on the year. Then they lost to a Virginia, good Virginia Tech team, good Florida State team, Michigan. Then they beat Maryland. Now, that's that's kind of our basis for this moving forward. They then lost the next two games to Texas and Notre Dame. And then since then, they've lost one game, which was on the road against Michigan State, who they then later beat at home. So it's really gone way up for Purdue post that loss to Notre Dame, which is really when I thought this was going to turn into a bad loss for Maryland, that Purdue's going straight downhill, regardless of Carson Edwards' play. But instead, it went the other way. Well, I was going to say, Carson Edwards is probably going to win Big Ten Player of the Year at this point. He might win National Player of the Year. He very well could be. And the, he earns it. He has definitely earned it. Purdue has run through him all season. He scores almost 25 points a game, averages 34 minutes per game. Only has 30 assists per game, but, you know, with he, well, how well he plays can be excused. Um, I... I think this game, we're going to preview this game real quick, then we'll move to the rest of the season. This game is going to be headlined by Anthony Cowan versus Carson Edwards, and Anthony Cowan's been struggling recently. Yeah, he definitely has. I'll take a different route on that. I don't think it's going to be Cowan against Edwards, because I don't really think Maryland's going to put Cowan on Edwards. I think it's going to be not really rely on Carson Edwards. I think it's going to be on guys for Purdue like Ryan Klein uh, and Eastern and the guys down low against Maryland's Morsell, Wiggins, whichever big man they decide to pull off the bench, and Lindo. I think it's going to come down to those kinds of guys. You know, for Edwards, it's all about, I mean, for Purdue, who might, it might as well be called Edwards, it's all about Carson Edwards. It's all about one guy for Purdue, and for Maryland, it's about Fernando and Cowan. I think a game like this, you expect Fernando to play well. You expect Anthony Cowan to do, maybe not maybe not do it all, but to really be effective. And then for, for Purdue, you expect Carson Edwards to play well. You expect guys like Klein to hit a few shots. It's going to come down to those other guys, those alternate players, who can get, you know, four points quickly when their team needs it. Can Daryl Morsell knock down a three or two? You know you know what I'm talking about, because I feel like both these teams, as we saw when they played earlier this season in West Lafayette, could really match up 
it's really a, two teams that are kind of on that same level of having those big-time effective players and then not having much past that in terms of scoring. And in recent times, it's felt like Maryland's really relied on only a couple guys to score all the points, whether that be Sticks and Fernando against Nebraska or Cowan and Fernando and pick your game. But I just I am worried that Purdue will be able to nullify Fernando because they did that last time with Matt Arms, the seven foot one, th- number thirty two for them. Because he Fernando only got nine points in the last game and turned the ball over four times. I remember the turnovers because it was ripping my hair out when he was turning the ball over. Yeah, he only shot but, the ball. I think things were different then, though. That's what you kind of have to focus on. Pulling up the stat sheet from last time where Maryland was only nine games in and Purdue was the same. Bruno Fernando was three for seven. Sticks shot the ball eight times. Ayala wasn't really scoring that much at that time. I mean, it was just it was a different scenario for both of these teams. I think a lot has changed. Obviously, as we've already said, Purdue is on an eight-game win streak. Maryland has found some different guys to really be able to shoot. I mean, that just take shots. So I think it's different. What I will say about the battle down low is I think Bruno, and this might sound a little different, has gotten even more confident. Just thinks now he just plays like he's the man. It's going to be about avoiding those fouls or which one of these guys, because they both do foul, will get those first you know, two fouls. They have to go to the bench. And then what can well, Jalen Smith do? Well, I hope that the refs aren't going to call Bruno extra tight after the incident in the last game. I'm thinking it's very possible that it happens. I'm hoping it's not going to happen. But I don't know. This next game is a big one. I'm going to say the Terps win 79-75 against Purdue. I will agree that Maryland wins this game. I think they will win the game 81-75. to Now let's what? move past this Purdue game because it's supposed to be about the whole season. Then you go to Michigan. Michigan's a team that is twenty-one. That's twenty-two and two on the season. They just topped Wisconsin, which is one of the teams that beat them earlier this year. Just such a dominant team that plays just smooth basketball. See, I don't agree with them being as intimidating as they once were. For a while, Michigan was undefeated, but they've lost. They've gone six and two of the last eight games which is like only, I think it's only one game better than Maryland's been in the last eight games, so don't check that. But the point being, I was correct on that, Maryland's five and three of the last eight games. The point being, I think Michigan is a vulnerable team these days. I don't think they're as good as they once were this season. I don't think they are at home. Maybe on the road. Maybe that game later this year, March 3rd. But on at home, they are undefeated this season. They beat teams, they get out, they run. It's just not a good matchup for Maryland. I will agree with that. Michigan matches it very unfavorably with the Terps because one of the reasons is their scoring is so diversified. They have three players that average double, double figures, two more players in that average about nine points a game. They get scoring from everywhere, and they don't even really have one dominant player. They're such a diverse attack that it's going to be hard for, it's hard for any team to focus on how to defend them. Yeah, they have Bristakis down low, Jordan Poole, Charles Matthews, Teske, Xavier Simpson. It's just such a good college basketball setup that Michigan has been able to grasp that I just don't think Maryland has on the road has to beat a team like Michigan right now. That obviously we'll get more into this after the Purdue game, but I kind of agree that this game does not look good on the, for the Terps. In fact, I actually think it might, could be a blowout for Maryland, but we will deal with that as the time comes. But I'm going to pencil that as a loss for now. Next is a very interesting matchup against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, I will go out and say I think Maryland should win this game. I think that Iowa matches up favorably. For Maryland, Iowa still really relies on 
a guy by the name of Jordan Bohannon, who's dominated uh, the Terps many times before. They have other players like Isaiah Moss and Luca Garza down low. Now, Garza against Fernando will be the matchup to watch because Garza is very physical, very tough guy that Mark Turgeon and the staff overlooked when he was coming out of this area. He really wanted to play for Maryland. Now he, of course, is at Iowa with Fran McCaffrey. Really physical guy down low who plays kind of a role that I hate to look back on it that Maryland kind of needs. I don't know if they need that role. I think Bruno Fernando kind of covers the tough guy down low role pretty well. But I do think Maryland definitely but the thing about him. But the thing about Fernando is he can't foul. If you had another guy like Garza or just another general tough guy down low, then you could kind of get in the position where you could play physical basketball. I guess uh, I see what you're saying there. But I, I don't fault them for looking over, overlooking Luke Garza coming out of D.C. He's not a very doesn't really pop your eyes looking at him in high school. But regardless of the fact, he plays for Iowa now. And Iowa is probably maybe the most surprising team in the country this season. Yeah, I actually um, toured the facility when Maryland played football in Iowa and I got to go out there. I got They have a really nice setup. Um, they're, and talking to some of the fans out there, they were actually pretty high on this team. Like They, they thought that McCaffrey could put it together and that they were going to be just fine. I don't know if a lot of other people thought that, but after, you know, talking to some guys out there in the media and stuff, I thought that Iowa might be one of those teams that could maybe make a run because really because of Bohannon and I've seen him play, you know, we've all seen him play before. He's had some pretty big games against Maryland. It just allows you to, you know, play that kind of Big Ten style and win a few games just based on having one guy that can be dominant. Yeah, um, I don't know how we're going to match up against Iowa, to be honest. I haven't paid as much, as much attention to them as I probably should have. But if you think we can handle them, Mason, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt in this one. I'll say we win by whatever score you pick. I'll get a more, I'll get a better prediction once we get closer to that game. Well, they do score a lot, so I think they Maryland's going to have a lot. I know that Maryland's going to have to push their scoring up in this game. I think Maryland actually hits eighty points in this game. I think that's might actually be what you have to do. Iowa averages 81 point something per game. I think Maryland wins this game 83 to 80. I think it will be close. I like the atmosphere. Actually, it doesn't really look like a great one on TV. But Carver Hawkeye is one of those scenes where the fans are just like on top of the court. It doesn't look great on TV, but in person it's actually quite a nice venue. Yeah, I checked that out, too, when I stopped by Iowa on my grand tour of the Midwest. Um, I would love to see a game with Carver Hawkeye. It looks like an underrated facility, in my opinion. It looks like a really intense stage to see a big game in. And hopefully this will be a big game by then. Yeah, I was ranked number 20 right now. They beat Indiana earlier today. So that should be a good game. Uh, let's breeze past the Ohio State game. I think Maryland will win that game based on what I saw earlier this year. Um. Ohio State's kind of fallen off a little bit. They sit at 16-7 and seven currently, 6-6 six and six in the conference. So that could be a big game for Ohio State, one of those games that they're really looking to win at Maryland to put on their tournament resume, but I think Maryland wins that game. Well, Ohio State's making a little bit of comeback now after they, um, they had that five-game slide, which Maryland was included in. They beat Nebraska, which isn't a huge accomplishment. Nebraska's been struggling. They lost to Michigan, but then they put together some wins. They beat Rutgers, Penn State, Indiana. And they play Illinois in a couple of days. And then they play Michigan State before they play Maryland. So they're going to get a pretty good reading where they sit tournament-wise going into that Maryland game. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Big, um, you know, trying to make that last push is really what that Maryland-Ohio State game is going to uh, come down to. But just really quickly on that, it's on a Saturday, which is something that we don't really see much anymore around here. So there should be... It should be quite a nice venue for that game. Um, at Penn State, really another quick one. Penn State is 8-15 and overall, 1-11 in the conference. Bryce Jordan has not been good for Maryland, though, so some things to watch, but not much. Maryland will definitely is supposed to take this game. I'm happy you stopped saying, stop short of actually saying definitely going to win. Um 
they should win, but you're right. Bryce Jordan has been trouble for Maryland in the past, but this Penn State team um, has some issues. Let's put it like that. Yeah, it's really actually a little bit disappointing. I know we don't really like Penn State, but I kind of like their coach, Pat Chambers. Just, it really looked like they were trending up for a while, but this year they've gone real far down. And then the big one. A home game against Michigan on March 3rd, 3.45 p.m. is when that game is scheduled for right now. That is on a, is that, pretty sure that's a Sunday. Man. That is. That's a Sunday 345 game on CBS National Television. Big revenge. Yeah, that's the game. <laughs> revenge game for Maryland. You're, you're assuming we're going to lose already. No, I'm talking about last year where they were embarrassed on senior day on their home floor. Oh, that would make more sense, yeah. I think yeah, this game's a... going to be your flash mob game. I think this game's going to be probably, I'm thinking it will be the student section game where they give out the different the Maryland Pride one where they give out the different color shirts. This is your big game. National television, not a night game. It's on a Sunday, but it's a late Sunday game. This should be it. The game that we've been waiting for this year, especially if Maryland can string together some wins that Iowa game, beat the games that you expect to win against Ohio State and Penn State. You really yeah, just you, can, you have a chance to set a special game up here, and I would really hate to see Maryland miss that opportunity. Yeah, you can go four and one over the next five games. Let's say you lose to Michigan, go four and one, beat Purdue, beat Iowa, Ohio State, Penn State. You'll probably be in the mid-teens ranking-wise. Michigan, I don't really expect to fall off, so that that should be your big game. And if this sets up like we just said it would, go four and one, then I'm gonna pick Maryland to win that game. I pick Maryland to win this game kind of regardless of what happens. Even if you go 0-5 and lose to Penn State? Well, I don't really think that's... Yeah, I, honestly, I'll say I still think they'll win this game. Okay. I'll just go through your scenario really quick. Maryland goes 0-5, then they're 18-11. and 11. Then you need to win that Michigan game. I just think this game is teed up for these kids on this Maryland team. As Mark Turgeon likes to say, they're a young team. They finally get they get that experience. Really, no matter what happens in these next five games, they get the game that they came here to play. Big game, national television, huge crowd, raucous environment. That's why you came to Maryland, or at least part of it. So that's why I think they'll win that game. Really, doesn't. I won't say it doesn't matter what happens, but I think that they win that game. They're just going to win because that's that's just kind of the way Maryland works. I mean, it, I kind of agree with you that we this is the type of game that Maryland tends to win. If you go 4-1, set that game real nice. If you win that game, let's pencil that as a win. In pencil, you emphasize that. 5-1 and one going into Minnesota, where I'll be home for that game, actually. Another 6-30 game. Actually, I got, I got seven on you and Terps. Yeah, yeah, that game but, actually, yeah, it did get moved to seven. My bad. So, that'll be your senior day, Minnesota. Minnesota's going to probably need to win that game as they have been a middle-of-the-road team the entire season. But senior day, who who's going on senior day this year, Mason? Um, Andrew Terrell. I don't really know anybody else. A uh, Bender. Uh, Bender, yeah. I think it might be it. Yeah, uh, it, Senior Day is not really a huge thing anymore. But still, a night that, you know, some of your guys really cherish. Probably it's, be Bruno's last home game, too. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of guys that you could say it could be their last home game, depending on how these next few games go. But regardless, it, it's going to be a game that I think Maryland wins against Minnesota. But a game that I really think you just got to watch out for. There are a few things. I just think it's going to be a desperation kind of move from Minnesota, who is starting to rumble of firing Patino. I don't know if they should fire Patino. That's a different topic. I think they were pretty bad before he got there, so I don't know if they should get rid of him. But I understand why they would. Um, Minnesota needs to make the tournament this year, though. I think that's pretty fair to say. 
I definitely agree with that because was it last year where they had the guys that got kicked off the team when they were really supposed to be really something? Yeah, they had a um, a sexual assault thing that um, was a real mess. You can look that up if you don't know about it. So that doesn't help his case at all. Um, yeah, but they've also had guys like Coffee and Murphy and you know the guys they had last year. They were just really teed up to make something happen at Minnesota that hasn't in a long time. I think they were like number 13 or something going into last year. They just had a ton of positives, you know, a ton of hype going into this, and then it fell off. So, yeah, I think that Patino is really being pushed. Something needs to happen that's good there. They are 16-8 and eight currently, 6-7 and seven in the conference. Obviously, that will change before March 8th. But that's the end of your regular season. Yeah, I think on the whole, this that this last stretch will be pretty beneficial to the Terps. Although we have fallen apart on this last stretch of the season before with um, the Turgeon era, so I'm not super optimistic, but I'm pretty. I'd say I'm more optimistic than not. The game I think you gotta watch out for is Ohio State. I think if Maryland does beat Purdue, beat Iowa, heck, even beat Michigan, if you win two of any of those three games. And that Ohio State game is really going to be a trap game for you. Yeah, so I think we both have Maryland finishing up this regular season at 24-7. and seven. I think that will rank them around, I would say, 15 or 16. Yeah, 15 or 16. We'll see how we go in the Big Ten tournament in Chicago before we you know, place ourselves in the actual NCAA tournament. But on the whole, I think the season's going to end on the high note for the Terps. I think we're going to finish this last stretch, this last eight games, 7-1 and one to 6-2. and two. And the last stretch of the season really starts with Purdue here. Yeah, and before we wrap this up, really give our thoughts on the ceiling of this team as at least what you can see with seven games left in the regular season. This podcast is also brought to you by Maryland Eurocars. When you're looking for someone to work on your European car, look no further than Maryland Eurocars. We have a few Audis in the family and some BMWs at the office, and we take our cars to Christian and Maryland Eurocars. Christian and his team, the other way around, Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, VWs, and many more makes always friendly, courteous, and honest, along with being an extra clean shop. Maryland Eurocars is the best place to take your prized automobile, and they're the most reasonably priced shop in town. Located in Rockville, Maryland, you can reach Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831. Ask for Christian at 301-217-5831 and tell them that the Young Terps sent you Jordan, I think based on our predictions that puts Maryland about a four seed in the tournament, I think, to be honest, this team is a Sweet 16 team. But I don't know, especially if you get that four line and then you have to play, play that five team in the second round, I just don't know if Maryland can beat really one of those, as they call them now, quad one teams to make it that far. I don't know about Sweet 16 teams. I just don't. Actually, one more to... thing before you start. I also think if they're picked on the four and the five line, you know, I don't really think the six eleven game is a huge upset kind of thing, because a lot of times an eleven seed is like the borderline power six teams in basketball. I'm gonna say if they were four or five, they are going to be one of the teams as pointed out as an upset team. Yeah, I think it's possible. I just I need to see more. I need to see us play high in competition a little bit more before I can make a judgment on how far we can get into a tournament. I think this last stretch is going to be very beneficial to that with us playing Michigan twice, Iowa, and Purdue. We're going to get more, a lot more information on how we fare against quad one teams. So I'm going to have to put a hold on making any big predictions until we get more data. I'll have to agree with that. You know, right now it's – I think it. this is a really – different year for Maryland because pretty much of what you just said those quad one quad actually yeah I guess they're all quad ones of Iowa Purdue um, Michigan twice really are the few games that you really get to see what this team is made of because of course you can point to that Purdue game earlier in the year but that was I mean that was December and you can talk about how Maryland beat Indiana 
when Indiana was ranked, Nebraska when Nebraska was ranked, but those teams have kind of fallen off. Yeah, if you look at the teams that are quad one now, we lost to Virginia, lost to Purdue, we um, lost to actually beat Wisconsin, lost to Michigan State, lost to Wisconsin. So that's one out of I think seven games in quad one. So you need to show improvement in the flat stretch to give me any confidence, real confidence going into the state tournaments. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, there's really not much more to say. You kind of your first look's gonna be at Tuesday, and of course, check back here on the Young Turfs podcast on Wednesday for our review of that game and talking about those next steps going into that Michigan game on the road. It really comes down to what happens in these next few games. Can you pick up a win out of these next three moving into those Ohio State and Penn State games? Because if you go one and two, then you're thinking that you got to go two and zero, and probably actually three and zero against um, Ohio State, Penn State, Minnesota. But you really get to shape what you're made out of here. It's a team, and it's a rare thing. I know a lot of people love to say this about a lot of different scenarios, but for Maryland, it's truly all in front of you. Because there's a scenario where, hold on, one second. There's a scenario where you got to look at it first. What happens if we win out? Well, if you win out, you're a three or a two, depending on your Big Ten tournament. If you lose one of these games, then you still have a chance at that three seed. There's just so much for this team to play for right now, especially if the results kind of fall the way that in our favor, that there's just so much left for this team to play for. Yeah, I think that kind of wraps it all up, that this is all in front of you still, and you can really make your own destiny here, and I guess we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Maryland's kind of in a really unique position right now where they can climb both in the Big Ten standings, in the national picture. There's just... There's opportunity, and it's really nice to say that there's opportunity for our basketball team in mid-February. And that is a wrap for the 92nd episode of the Young Turps podcast. Jordan, tell all the Young Turp fans where they can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Young Turps one That is Young Turps with the number one. And you can follow Mason on Twitter at Intern Mason. And you can listen to the next episode of the Young Turps podcast on Wednesday. And as always, we would like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates and Rockville. If you're looking for a website, have business IT needs, Viner Four Gates is the place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 and on the web at oneviner.com. Ally Party Rentals. They've done it all from the presidential inaugurations to luncheons and backyards just like yours. Contact Allied to set up your perfect party on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. And, of course, Maryland Eurocards. If you're looking for five-star service for your Audi, BMW, Mercedes, Maryland Eurocars is a perfect place to take your car. You can reach Christian at 301-217-5831 to service your European car. Jordan Maryland has a big game against Purdue on Tuesday night. I'll will be out there along with the rest of the Terp Talk crew. Make sure to check out terptalk.com for the post-game press conferences and players after the game. We were out there at the lacrosse game. If you want to see that press conference, it's all on terptalk.com. And make sure to check back Wednesday for our post game after Purdue. And as always, thanks for listening.